Good morning. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here and for worshiping with us. If you're joining online, thanks as well. If we haven't met before, my name's Scott, and really grateful to have you here uh, worshiping with us today. If you've been with us for the last several weeks, you know that we've been working our way through a series called The Practices of Grace, uh, really looking at the key biblical uh, practices uh, that mark the life of a maturing follower of Jesus. Classically, or these are oftentimes referred to as spiritual disciplines or the spiritual habits. We're calling them the practices of grace because they're really the tools of God's grace to help us grow in Him. Um, and that's an important thing for us to get, that if you are here and you've yet to place your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the grace that He's offered to you, that's the starting point. But if you're here and you have come to God, then you need to understand this, that not only do you come to God by grace, but you also continue to grow in God by grace. And we're looking at the practices that God has given us, the tools to help us continue to grow in Him by His grace. And so that's what we've been doing in this series. And if you are here this last week, you know that we talked about the practice of giving. Um, and I, I, I'll have to say I'm relieved to see that you're back this week. So thank you <laughs> for coming back. Uh, but today, if you're anxious about, okay, what are we talking about this week, um, I'll tell you now, you can put your mind at rest because today we're going to be talking about the practice of rest, something that we all need to grow in, something that we all need to learn, the practice of resting. And some of you are thinking, well, how do I grow in the practice of resting? I mean, how do I learn? How do I grow? Does that mean I need to take a nap or something? Maybe. It may not be a bad thing for you. One person said it this way, and I, think it, I thought it was great. Daniel took a nap in the lion's den. Peter slept in a prison. Jesus slept in a storm. So no matter what your circumstance, you can take a nap. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Some of you do need to take a nap. In fact, it might be the most spiritual thing that you can do. Well, you just need to stop and rest. And the truth is, that is part of God's plan of rest, that we have rest physically. But um, in terms of the Bible under biblical understanding of rest, it's more than just physical rest. And we're going to dig into that today, dig into really what it means to experience rest. We all do long for rest, and there's two general ways that we're looking for rest in our lives. And so we'll just, you just mentioned two of the major ways that we long for rest. The first one is this. We long for rest from outward activity. That all of us at some point long for a rest from outward activity. That is our work or our, our lives, our busy schedules. That there's just moments and times where we need to take a break. We need to physically stop our physical work and recover and rest. And we look for ways to do that, whether it's vacations or time off or whatever it might be. We need a break. It's good for us. We long for it. It's part of God's plan for us to experience rest physically from outward activity. The second way that we look for rest is this, that we long for rest from inward anxiety. That we long for rest from inward anxiety. And you get that. There's many of you here, and we feel it. We feel the pressure, the burden, the stress, uh, worries, anxiety, and we need rest from that inward anxiety that we're carrying. Some of you today feel very, um, you feel the pressure around you very acutely. And it's not just that you are tired physically, but you're also tired mentally and emotionally and spiritually as a result of the anxiety that you're carrying, the burdens in your life. And so we long for a rest from that. We long for a rest from our outward activity as well as our inward anxiety. That is, we, we long for rest from work as well as our worry. And, and in, in fact, St. Augustine goes even further, and this is what he states, and this is a famous uh, statement that he made. It's this, that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, 
and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Any honest assessment for any single one of us here would have to come to the similar conclusion that, yeah, we long for rest, that our hearts are restless, that we are a restless people, and we can look for rest in all sorts of places, but really, truly, the only rest we'll ultimately find is found in God. And this is an important thing for us to get. In fact, the passage we're going to look at today is a warning because we can endlessly look for rest in all sorts of places, in all sorts of ways, but really we will ultimately not find rest until we find rest in God. And the passage we're going to look at today is a warning, a warning to us to not miss the rest that God has for us. So it's a warning, but it's also an invitation. And the invitation is this, that God still has a rest for us. That God wants to provide rest for us from our outward activity, from our inward anxiety, and he wants to ultimately bring rest that we have the need in our hearts for because we are so restless. And so that's what we're going to look at today. The passage is, is very, very helpful. It's found in Hebrews chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's printed for you there in the handout. But let's stand in honor of God's word. We'll read this passage and we'll take a look at it together. And I will say that without question, this is a very complicated portion of Scripture, okay? Um, But what I want to do is invite you to just hang in there with me because I I know it'll be profitable, especially for all you stressed out people out there, okay? And you know who you are, and if you're, you're not sure someone can point it out to you, you're stressed out, all right? The reality is we all need to hear this message no matter what, and it's just so important. We don't want to miss the rest that God has for us, the practice that he's in the pattern that he's placed before us. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 all the way through 16, this is what it says. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is a quote from Psalm 95, talking about the children of Israel not entering into the promised land. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who uh, formerly had good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works, from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active." sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, 
since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, just this, Jesus, the Son of God, uh, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Okay, go ahead and have a seat, and we'll take a look at it together. Now, like I said, this is a very complex passage. If you don't think so, you can come on up and teach it, and that'd be great. There is a complexity to this passage, uh, but I think part of the complexity is because we're jumping into the middle of a discussion. And so what I need to do is just stop for a moment and talk a little bit about the context of this book and where we, uh, we are kind of find ourselves in the, the argument, the discussion that's taking place here. And so, first of all, the writer of, of the book of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians who are under tremendous opposition and pressure for their faith. And as a result of that, they're tempted under the pressure of, of, of what they're experiencing to go back to their old ways, their old patterns, their old systems of dealing with the stress. And they're thinking, if we just go back to the old way, we'll be okay. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, don't go back to your old patterns, your old ways, because Jesus is better. That's the continual argument of the book of Hebrews, to not rely and go back to old systems, old coping mechanisms to stress, but instead to experience a, a new way of living in Jesus. And that's the continual argument. And they're tempted, like we are, under pressure to go back to their old systems. And the old systems for them was looking at the law and they're thinking to themselves, we're so stressed. If we just get back to a day of rest or a place of rest and we focus there, then we'll, everything will be all fixed. But sadly, they're focused so much on a day and a place that they're missing that God has something better for them, a way of rest found in Jesus. And so that's the focus. Again, Jesus is better than the old systems and the old ways. And in order to help illustrate this for them, he brings out kind of a clever argument. He goes back to their own history and their own ancestors, and he points back to the, the, the children of Israel. And he says, listen, let me illustrate why this is so important. So he goes back and he illustrates how the children of Israel missed the rest that God had for them and in the, in the invitation that's still there. In the children of Israel, if you remember the story, they were slaves in Egypt, and God delivered them out of slavery from Egypt under Moses' leadership. He was, they were brought into the wilderness, and then that wasn't the final resting spot for them. Ultimately, they were to go straight into the promised land, and so God brought his people right up to the promised land, the place of rest for them, and when they got there, they freaked out. With the pressure, the stress, what the problems, that's what they focused on. And is under that pressure, they reverted back to their old ways. In fact, they even wanted to go back to slavery in Egypt. And as a result of it, they missed the rest, the promised place, the promised land that God had offered to them. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't make the same mistake. Don't miss the rest that God is offering to you. Uh, and again, by going back to the old ways instead of missing a new way that's found in Jesus. So that's the argument that he's making, and it's important for us to get that. So then, verse 1, this is what he says. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. So he's starting off by saying, listen, there is still a promise of rest that's available to you. Just as there was a promise of rest for the Israelites coming out of Egypt, the promised land, there's 
there's a now greater promise that's available to you in the person of Jesus. So he's saying there's a rest that's there. But then again, he's warning them that they not miss it. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. So he's saying just as it's available, it also can be missed um, as well. And so he warns them. And it's a warning not just for them, it's a warning for us too. Because God's rest is still available to us. But the problem is we can find ourselves going back to the old ways, our old systems of dealing with stress and pressure and missing the better way, a way of Jesus, the, the rest that he, he, he has come to offer to us. And we can relate to that in lots of different ways. In fact, um, someone pointed out to me that the word stressed, um, if you look at it and you spell it backwards, guess what it spells? Desserts. All right. Which is, a, which is a little bit of an indicator of what I run to when I'm stressed, okay? That's what I go back to. Um, but there's lots of things that we go back to and we run to other than Jesus when we're stressed, when there's pressure, when there's opposition. And it's the same thing that the first century Jewish Christians were facing and the ancient children of Israelite faced. We face as well. Under pressure, we revert back. We go to the old coping mechanisms, the old systems that no longer work, but we're pressured and tempted to go to it. If you uh, were someone who argued in the past, guess what? Under pressure, you start arguing with anyone you come across to. You don't even know why you're arguing with them, but you just go back to the old system, the old pattern under stress. If some of you are someone who withdrew in the past, under pressure, under stress, you withdraw again and you start building up walls to the people and the world around you. If you're someone who in the past has been a pleaser, guess what? Under pressure, you go crazy trying to make everyone happy until you're miserable at the same time. And if you're someone who in the past has just said, well, I work harder, then you just work harder. If you're someone in the past who sulks, guess what? You sulk. If there's someone who goes to drinking, you go back to drinking. There's lots of different ways that we go to other than Jesus when the pressure comes. And so he's saying, listen, there's a rest that's available to you, but it can be missed. We need to practice resting. And if we don't continually practice it, we'll miss it when the pressure does come. In fact, this, the spiritual practice of resting is one of, is one of the easiest practices there. There is, there is, until the pressure comes. Then it's the hardest because we go back to other things rather than saying we're going to trust and rest in God. And that's the, that's the, the message that, that we need to hear that he's saying to them in this passage. So then the next verse says this. <laughs> Therefore, <clears throat> since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. Now, this is the same verse, but what I want to point out here is the word rest, because the question we have to answer is, what does he mean by rest? What is the rest that we're being offered by God and that they're being offered that we're being offered? And it's interesting, the word rest here is not the word that they were probably expecting him to use. He does not use the Hebrew word uh, Shabbat uh, or Greek word uh, Sabbatismos, where we get the word Sabbath from. He does not say, hey, God's promising a Sabbath day, a day of rest. That's what they were expecting because that's what they were reaching back to, thinking, yeah, Jesus is good, but if we just had our Sabbath day, then all of our problems would be solved. But they were missing it, so he's saying, listen, I'm not using that word. I'm going to use a different word, katapausis, uh, which means a ceasing of striving, a ceasing of striving. So it's not a day, it's, it's a stopping. It's a ceasing of striving. In fact, we see this kind of same concept in a very famous uh, statement in Psalm 46. It says this, be still and know that I'm God. 
And the idea is this, that there's a being still is ceasing our striving, our working, our struggling, and saying, I'm going to trust in God instead. And that's what they needed to hear. That's what we need to hear. He's saying, this is the rest that God's offers, where you're ceasing to struggle, strive, grab, find rest. Instead, say, ah, it's found in Jesus. It's not a day of rest. It's not a place of rest. It's a way of rest in Jesus. And that's the argument that he's making. So that's the the understanding of of what rest means and what he's trying to help us get. Then verse 2, it says this, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So he begins by saying, For we also have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. So the, the children of Israel, the good news that they had was, hey, we're being brought into the promised land. So it was a, a place of rest that they were being given. That was the good news that they had. The good news that we have, have that's been proclaimed to us is not about a place of rest. It's a person of rest. It's Jesus. The good news that we can come to God by grace through faith not of our, ourselves. It's not by our works uh, so that none of us can boast. So the idea is this, that, that in Jesus, he has done the great work on the cross for us. So it's not us striving to earn God righteousness. It's not us trying super hard, struggling, and working so hard to get God to be pleased with us, to accept us. It's recognition that the, our work is, it's not, it's not recognition of putting a hope in our work, but it's in putting a hope in the work of Jesus on the cross. Not what we have uh, do, but what he has done. This is the good news that's been proclaimed to us. And, it's, and he's saying, just as we've had that good news proclaimed to us, they had it, but how did they miss it? And this is important for us to hear. Let's look at it closely. It says, they heard, what they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So they heard good news, but it wasn't activated by faith. It's possible to know about uh, Jesus. It's possible to know about his promises and even his rest, but we don't experience it unless it's activated by faith. In the same way the children of Israel heard good news, guess what? There's a promised land for you, a place of rest. But they got right up to it. They saw it. They heard about it. They even saw the report, heard the report, saw the, you know, the fruit that was coming back. But then they saw all the problems and they saw all the giants and they saw all these things and they stopped believing that God could bring them into that land and they reverted back and started trusting in themselves what they could figure out and they missed it. And this, the same thing is true here. So the next verse, it says this, um, verse three. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God said. So God declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest, and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. The point here is this, that we receive rest when we believe, when we trust in what God has said. So the formula there, if you're interested in in taking notes, is this, is that it's by hearing plus believing that equals resting. It's hearing plus believing It's activation of our faith that allows us to experience rest. That's what the Israelites missed. They heard, they saw, they didn't trust Jesus. They didn't trust God to get them into the promised land. We can do the same thing. We can even say, yeah, I know a lot about God and have heard about Jesus, but I don't experience the peace that he's offering, the rest that he's offering until you trust in him. And some of you maybe are like the, feel like the Israelites. Maybe you've been delivered. You've put your faith in Jesus just like they, you know, were brought out of slavery and in, in, in right now in the, in the wilderness, but they didn't 
trust God to continue to guide them and lead them and bring them into rest. And some of you have maybe made a place of putting your faith in Jesus for your salvation, but you haven't trusted him for continued transformation and deliverance and continued guidance in your life. It's hearing, but not believing. But it's, when you add those together, then we experience the rest that God offers to us. And it's so important that we understand that. Then, next verse says this, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And so now he shifts and he starts to talk about the creation uh, account where God created the wor- world, right, in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And the point that he's making is this, that God's pattern and his plan for rest has been um, instituted from the very beginning, It wasn't just a a place of rest like the promised land. God's had in his mind for us to experience rest from the very beginning, and he set the pattern for us for it right up front, the practice of resting. So it goes even before that, and and it's it's kind of at the very beginning of things. And the question you may have is, well, wait a minute, why does God have to rest? I mean, did he get tired after creation or something? I mean, isn't he omnipotent? How is it that he got tired and needs a break and get rest? And, and the, the point is this, that he didn't have to. Um, he is God. It says in the Bible he doesn't sleep or slumber. So he doesn't rest for himself. He rests so that we can see that pattern. We can have the practice. And so he shows us and he builds in it because he knows we need rest. It's not that God needs rest. He knows that we do. And we need a physical rest from our work. We need to stop and pause and, and, and ha- take a break. And so, listen, if you're wondering, should I take a day off? Yes, it's God's will for you to take a day off. You need to rest. God has built it into it that we have a physical rest, that we have a break, and he's built that in. And I know that sometimes people look at the Sabbath rest, which is the day of rest, and they say, well, that's just, you know, uh, a Old, old law, kind of a legalistic practice. Um, but let me tell you this, it, that was never the heart of it. The heart of the Sabbath was for us, that God gave it to us so that we could rest, so that we could take a break. Unfortunately, what was meant to be a servant to mankind became a master to mankind because of people like the, the Pharisees who were, uh, you know, very legalistic about rest and then getting after people for not resting in the right way and then it became a burden. But that was never the intent. The intent from the very beginning, God recognized, hey, you need to, a break from work. You, there's a bunch of outward activity that's going on. You need a rest. You need a pause. You need time to recover. Not that he did, but he knew we did. But it's not just that he wants physical rest for us, but he wants spiritual rest for us as well. And that's built into the pattern. And we see that throughout Scripture. For instance, when God was, you know, brought the people, the people were in the, the wilderness, the Israelites, before they entered into the promised land, ultimately, uh, he gave them manna. Do you remember that? So for six straight days, he delivered manna to them. But on the seventh day, no manna. Uh, but the whole idea was that he provided enough for them on the sixth day so that they were c- cared for and covered. And the whole point is this, that they would recognize that day of rest wasn't just for them physically, but it was a recognition for them spiritually to see, ah, even when I'm resting, God's still providing. Even when I take a break, God in his grace is caring for me. And it's not my success, it's not on my striving, my working, what can I achieve, what can I gather, what can I do? My, my success is recognizing uh, that God is providing for me, 
that God is gracious to me whether I recognize it or not and continues to meet my needs. That's the idea physical rest as well as a spiritual rest, resting in Him. And so it's built into the pattern, of the, and it's a practice for us to, to recognize it was there from the very beginning. Then the next verse is this, and again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Next verse, uh, therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did, uh, did not go in because of their disobedience. So again, he's just reminding them that you won't experience the rest that God has for you if it's not met also with faith, that they disobeyed, they went back and they missed it. But just as the warning is there, but there's also the, the encouragement there that it's still available to us. And the next verse, it says this. Um, so God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Next verse. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So the argument is going like this. He's saying God is offering a rest and it's available to you. And it's not just to the Israelite people in the place of rest, the promised land, but it was from the very beginning. And even afterwards, 500 years after the promised land, David is talking about rest. So the whole point is God has always been offering rest. It has been a part of his a pattern that he has set up that he still wants to offer rest. And again, it's not about a day. It's not about a place. It's about a way of rest in Jesus. That's, that's the idea, and it's continual, and it's important that we see that. Then verse 9 says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 10. Next verse. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Next verse. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. He's saying, listen, there's still a rest available to us. There's still a rest available to, Jesus, through, to us through Jesus. So make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to experience the rest that God has for you. And this is a great statement, but we also have to be honest about ourselves because we do long for rest but we look for it in any and every other place other than God. We make efforts for rest, but it doesn't always mean that we're, it's driving us to Jesus. And let me just illustrate. There's lots of different ways that we go and we look for rest. If you're a person who's under pressure and there's anxiety in your life and there's stress in your life, you think to yourself, things are out of control. I just need to control things more. So you work very hard to control your environment. You work very hard to control the people around you. But what does that leave you with? More stress. It doesn't work, does it? And guess what? You created more stress for the people around you in the process. So it doesn't work. We've gone back to something else. We've looked to something else and it doesn't work. When we're, when we're uh, under stress, we can turn to other things too. We can say, well, I just got to work really hard. And, that, and, and if I just work really hard, then things will get better. And, and the pressure will go away because I'm beating it. I'm fixing it. And so we work really hard. We drive ourselves to burnout and we suck the joy out of all the relationships around us. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that doesn't work either. And then we think to ourselves, well, there's so much going on. I'm so, there's so much pressure and I just need rest. And so I just need to isolate myself. I just need some alone time. And if I could just get away from all the stress around me and all the people around me, then I'll be okay. Well, what did the pandemic teach us about that? <laughs> Isolation didn't work, did it? 
In fact, our anxiety increased when we found ourselves more and more isolated. And so there's lots of things that we can go to other than God for rest that don't work. We can go to drinking. We can go to gambling. We can go to sex, pornography. We can go to... um, we can go to a different jumping relationship to relationship. We can go to entertainment. We can go to TV. We can go to shopping. Sorry about that last one. We can go to lots of different things, right? All sorts of different things. And thinking to ourselves, then I'll have rest. That will calm me down. Then the anxiety will go away, but it doesn't work. Listen to the invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11. It's so powerful. Come to me. Let that sink in. We're running to all sorts of different things, all sorts of different mechanisms to help us find rest. Jesus says it so simply, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We run to anything and everything else, and we wonder why we're still so anxious. Because we're not running to Jesus. The one thing, the one person who says and promises, I'll give it to you. You're weary, you're burdened. I will give you rest. This is, this is so important for us to get, and we can miss it so easily under pressure, under stress. We stop practicing resting, going to other things, and missing the way of rest, which is through faith in Jesus. Now, the question is, well, how do we make sure that we experience that rest? What resources do we have that God, has, has, that God could give to us to help us make sure that we are experiencing that rest and that we're, <clears throat> that we're, we're not missing it? And so they'll give you a, two resources that are right here in this passage that God gives to us to help us make sure that we experience that rest. And there's two resources, divine resources that are accessible. The first one is this, the Word of God. Verses 12 and 13 talk about the Word of God that's been given to us as a resource so that we can experience that rest. In verse 12, it says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul uh, and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Next verse, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to Him who we must give an account. Nothing is more clarifying than God's word in our life. We can look to all sorts of things, hoping it'll give us clarity and our anxiety or a relief from our work or the activities. Nothing is more clarifying than God's word. And when we open our lives to the light of God's word, it points out and it divides and it helps us see, yeah, that's my attitude. That's where my struggle is. That's the anxiety that I'm feeling. And it helps cut through and give us clarity where we need it. And then it helps us recognize then, well, this with that new clarity, this is the direction that I can follow so that I can experience the life that God has for me and a life that honors him. It's so helpful. The second resource that I want you to see is this. It's not just the word of God, but it's the person of Jesus. Verses 14 and 16. The person of Jesus says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. This is so great because sometimes we just need perspective and who has a better perspective than Jesus, right? He came to earth and ascended to heaven. He's got more perspective than anyone else. Let's hold on to him. Let's keep our faith in him. 
Hold on to him. It, it, if we want to make sure that we're, we're experiencing the rest and not the stress of life, we come to Jesus because he has perspective in our world that no one else does. Then the next verse says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So again, under pressure, we're tempted We're tempted to go back to old patterns, old methods, old systems, old coping mechanisms that don't work. We're tempted. And this passage says, come to Jesus because he understands and he can empathize with us because he has been tempted in every way. You're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, it's God. Could he be tempted? Yes, he is God, but he's also fully man. And he experienced all the temptations that we experience. You're tempted to get even with people? Guess what? Jesus understands it. You're tempted in your, your point of stress, anxiety to give up, to just throw in the towel. Guess what? Jesus understands that. You're like, I don't know. I mean, does he really understand? Because it says that he was tempted, but he never, he never sinned. Listen, he understands it better than anyone. We live in the Tri-Cities, so we know a thing or two about the wind here, don't we? I've learned a few things about the wind in my time here. It's been brief, but it's real. The wind is powerful, right? Now, just picture, okay? Just picture with me two signs. Two signs that are just out there, and the wind comes. And the wind, it's, run, it's blowing 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, 30 miles. You see them, those signs shaking in the wind, 40 miles an hour, 50, all of a sudden, boom, one of the signs just blows over. Now, the uh, one sign's still there, 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, the wind, can you, feel, can you see that sign just shaking, rattling in the wind? All of a sudden, the wind dies down. Now, question, which of the two signs understands the full force of the wind? The one that fell down or the one that withstood the pressure of the wind and, st- and stayed strong? Listen, this is who Jesus is. He understands the full force of our, our temptations because he experienced it and he didn't sin. So he understands it. And listen, what we think to ourselves is, oh man, I'm being tempted. I'm sinning. I need to run away from Jesus. Wrong. We need to run to Jesus because no one understands it more than him. He's experienced the fullness of temptation and didn't sin. He gets us like no one else. So we run to him when we're tempted to go back, when we're tempted to follow the old patterns, old systems, thinking they'll work. We run to Jesus. He understands it. And then the next verse, we can do it with confidence. Let us approach God's throne of, of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't this great? We can run to him, but we can run to him with confidence. Because in this passage, it says here that we can come to him and he, he's, when we're sinning, when we're struggling, we're going back to the old systems, the old ways. Does it say, oh, I mean, he's going to judge us? No, what does it say? We come to the throne of grace where we might receive what? Mercy and grace. Isn't that refreshing? We come to him because in Jesus, we find mercy and grace and help in our time of need. That's what we want. That's what we need. We need to practice resting. And it's not just a day of rest, a place of rest. It's found in a person. It's found in Jesus. Yeah, take a, take a day off. Take a break. But in that break, recognize God in his grace is still providing for me. And when I'm tempted to go back, I can always come to him because he empathizes and understands our struggles, your unique struggles, and he can help you in your time of need. Let's take a moment and let's thank him in prayer together.
right now just a moment between you and the Lord. And in this time, I know that there are many people here who are facing tremendous pressure, burdened with real stress and anxiety. And I don't want to minimize any of that that you're feeling and facing. But I do want to take a moment to invite you to bring it to Jesus. Jesus makes this great promise, this great statement, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is that moment for you to come to him. If you're here today and you've yet to place your faith in Jesus, you've been striving, you've been struggling, you've been seeking to find rest in your life, but you are restless. This is that moment for you to say, Jesus, I need to rest in you for the first time. Instead of trusting in myself, trusting in my old ways, I need to trust in something new, and it's you. And I want to receive your grace, your forgiveness, and your power to transform me. You come to him, he'll respond to you, and you'll experience real and lasting rest. If you're here and you've perhaps already placed your faith in Jesus, but you find yourself falling back to old systems, old habits, old behaviors, thinking that it will bring you peace and rest, now's maybe a moment for you to confess it, to come to him. He understands the temptation and say, God, I need your, I need your help. Help me to rest in you, to trust you. Not just to hear it, but to believe it and experience the rest that you promised to me. God, again, we just thank you together for your word, how it's so clarifying. We thank you for your throne of grace that we can approach with confidence. You get us, you understand us, that your promises still stand, that we can come to you and experience rest. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.